0: to the sound of the start of of everything. <laughs> everything twenty three twenty four. This is the NTT Twenty Betting Show, sponsored by Betfair for the third year in a row. Exclusive partners of the Not the Top Twenty Podcast Betting Show. They've been supporting us in our dream of, of providing the best EFL content for three years now, George. Mm. And it
1: feels good. It does feel good. Thank you to Betfair. We are very excited to renewing our partnership for a third season.
0: If you are new to the NTT Twenty Betting Show, welcome. This is, is George Ellick and myself, Ali Maxwell, sniffing out value in the EFL and attempting to pick winners, which I think is fair to say has been a long-time passion of ours and one that, that burns brighter than mm-hmm. ever. Can't be many flames that burn brighter <laughs> the longer they burn, but that is the case for us. This show, this episode is a betting preview of the EFL season 2023-24. Uh, we've done our 1 to 24 season predictions for all three divisions. Those podcasts are on the same feed that you're listening to this podcast on. So if you're not interested in betting but you are interested in EFL season preview content, I would recommend listening to the 1 to 24 podcast. But today we're looking at the outright markets, season long stuff for the Championship for League One and League Two. We're also gonna make some picks for opening weekend uh, as we're just days away. And we're gonna be debuting a new BTTS Sixfold, which is gonna become a big part of this show this season, trying to keep things fresh. All of this we'll be using odds from the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, And because it's the first show of the season and there will be between 40 and 45 more of these, we are gonna continue to hammer home the message of responsible gambling because uh, this is a betting show for over 18s only. And it's George and I talking about the bets that we're having this weekend in the EFL. We've known each other for a long time. One of our passions has always been punting on the EFL. That's what this show is. We individually and collectively understand the risks that come with gambling. Uh, We never bet more than we can afford to lose. We have staking plans to make sure that we're on top of the amount of money that we're betting and we don't chase losses. Being sensible and disciplined is absolutely crucial. We set ourselves a weekly structure which we work around and that helps us regulate our betting as well. So, the idea behind our picks that we talk about is not saying everyone quick go and lump on this is an absolute sure thing we want you to apply your own consideration and thought so make sure that you be gamble aware and understand the risks that come uh, with betting and if you think you have a problem with betting please speak to someone about it whether that's someone you know and trust or the many excellent professional resources that are available in particular be gamble aware so exciting for the season on the betting show and we will continue to hammer home the message of responsible gambling. Going to talk about outright markets in the championship to start with. Uh, it's not always in line with our exact positioning in the one to twenty fours. There's a, always a couple of interesting extra opinions and nuggets that come out in this show. Why don't you talk me through a bit of championship action?
1: Yeah, I think that's the key thing to say here is if you listen to the one to twenty fours, you're a bit surprised why, for example, we might have leads in first and yet we're not rushing to bat them at five to one. You know, it's got to be a value thing. In my opinion, you know, looking through the Betfair sportsbook winner twenty three twenty four market in the championship. Um, Leicester are 100-30, Leeds 5-1, Southampton a 15-2. Now, my biggest view here isn't that I would say, with Leeds, it's that Leicester are, are incredibly short. I think if you're backing Leicester at 130 30 to win the championship this season, let's consider that Burnley were a double-figure price before their, their opening game against Huddersfield last season. It, it's incredibly short. Um, when you're backing You're taking a, a club who you know haven't been at this level for a while, we saw two teams that were relegated from the Premier League last season finishing mid-table in the championship in Watford and and Norwich. And a manager in Enzo Maresca who's had one job before him was sat after three months, saying that he needed time to, to get his processes across. And that for me, you know, I would I I, I would be amazed if Leicester even if Leicester ended up winning the season winning the league by 10-15 points this season, I'd be i be stunned if they didn't go bigger than 130 at some point because there are other kind of good teams around them as well. I mean I would personally wait and watch them on opening day on Sunday, um, and actually watch them with my eyes, and I, I can't imagine they're going to shorten too much. From Mate, 130,
0: even if when you see Maresca's <laughs> three-two-five in possession shape, you're going to be.
1: But even then, I mean, if, even if they are, if it's a Bielsa Leeds situation, a company Burnier, I still don't think I'll be backing them at 130. Um, similarly with, with Leeds, I think five to one is plenty short enough. I, I'm not going to be rushing to that that price. So I'm to make the most appeal of those three, probably. Um, but again process driven manager here in Russell Martin um, and I- I'd like to kind of see them with my eyeballs before making the decision to bat them at that price. Barra are four favourites at nine to one, um, again concerns about how they finished last season. If you look at the personnel, Chubrakpom hasn't been playing in, in pre-season and um, rumours of an injury, sorry he's certainly injured, but rumours of a move possibly uh, to Sheffield United replacing man and Jai would, would derail their chances. Cameron Arch hasn't been replaced either. So there are kind of big question marks around those at the top end of the market, not to mention Norwich and West Brom who support, and Watford who are kind of next up in line. It's hard for me to necessarily make a massive case for other clubs winning the league. You know, Ipswich are a team that we had very high in our 1-24s, but they're... Fifth favourites at thirteen to one. So even though I know a lot of people were quite surprised about us having them that high, it's not that far out of line with how they're perceived by the bookmakers and where they're going to finish. And at thirteen to one, again, not massive juice in the price. The way I'm seeing this is is feasibly in Sunderland and Coventry being the value. You know, they're both nineteen to one. They both finished in the playoff last playoffs last season. There are similarities, I guess, with Luton, who we saw finish in the playoffs and lose in the semis to Huddersfield, then progress and finish um, in third last season, which would really have got you an each way, an each way payout. With Coventry, there are some concerns. Um, Victor Jokeres is gone. Gustavo Hama, we don't know whether or not he will will be leaving as well. But they have reinvested some money. You know, Ellis Sims coming in up front. Um, plenty of money being spent across the squad. But in in my mind, rather than you know, you could back Sunderland and Coventry each way. And um, I know we might be talking about Sunderland in a second, but you know, with Sunderland, it's a case where they had such an incredible season last season. ahmad has gone, but they've, they've you know invested in some some promising young talent, and I don't really see a massive reason why having finished sixth last season, retaining the likes of Jack Clark and others, why they would necessarily drop off. But if you back them each way at nineteen to one, you're basically backing the place at so kind of four to one, which again doesn't massively appeal given that's the top three I, I personally Don't feel think.
0: like a lot's appealing to you
1: here mate well I was going to say so I, I'm I'm happy this season you know i after timing massively but I, I backed Ipswich when the prices first came out in the beginning of the summer at kind of 20 to one so I'm happy to sit on that myself and I would it would, it would feel disingenuous to sit here now and say going back Ipswich at 13 to one it's the promotion market that I think is is maybe the most interesting where those teams I've mentioned Ipswich Sunderland and Coventry you're getting four to one five to one five to one about those three um, I, I, as I say, because I, I'm not really keen on, on Watford, Norwich and West Brom, who are, you know, Norwich are 7-2, West Brom 9-2, to two, Watford 9-2, to two. I'd have the three I've mentioned quite comfortably above those in the market. Um, Leicester, Leeds and Southampton, you know, are, are, are you know, Lesser of 5-4 to, to get promoted, Leeds 15-8, to eight, again, short enough in my book. When you're considering that you're getting a top six finish involved in this, when you're considering that you can back multiple teams in this market and possibly, you know, Land a double where if Sunderland were to go up automatically, and Ipswich win the playoffs, you get a double payout. It would be some combination of those that I would back. You know, my my hunch now is that I would probably back Sunderland and Ipswich at this stage, and kind of treat Coventry as a bit of a watching brief, and, and maybe look to side with them after seeing how it looks without Gjok and whether or not Harmer stays. But um, yeah, I, I would say my most confident there is probably Ipswich at four to one. Who you know we had a, we had a, uh, we had third in our predictions, who have the continuity of last season. McKenna, I rate very highly. And I, I just, I think last season they were already a very good championship side playing in League One. You know, their, their goal difference, their goal difference was 66 last season. Mm. Man City's goal difference, albeit on a, you know, they played whatever many it is, eight games, six games less. Eight games less, yeah. Um was plus 61. So there's like, they are, Ipswich were more comparable in terms of their dominance in games over the course of the season with Manchester City than basically anyone else in the mm. EFL. Yeah. Um, which is which is pretty stuck. I know they finished second, but I think if they were to replicate that kind of form into this season, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think there's enough juice in that 4-1 to, to make it my main pick at the top end of the market.
0: Sadly, I'm kind of with you in terms of the outright winner market. I'm a little bit spooked by all three relegated teams, and that sort of freaks me out a little bit. I'm pretty sure that Southampton are going to be up there. Like Leicester and Leeds, there are, I think, pretty obvious reasons why they may not be Uh, when it comes to Southampton I would say the main stuff I've seen leveled is that Russell Martin has not truly impacted a division in terms of results just yet finishing with MK Dons and Swansea I think no higher than 10th in his sort of three seasons as a manager so far three full seasons I I am sort of drinking the the kool-aid a little bit with Martin I'll be honest um, you've spooked to me a little bit with the Leeds stance with them at, at the top of our one to twenty fours, and you know I took all your points. It wasn't necessarily exactly aligned with how I saw things, but pleased to have them at the top of the one to twenty fours. When it comes to punting, I'd much rather be on Saints in the promotion market, um, just to give that insurance of a second place, or if push comes to shove, we get to May and, and maybe at the very least they will be in the top six, and we might have some interest uh, in the playoffs. So that's at, at thirteen to five at three point six with the Betfair sportsbook my hunch is that Martin will be perfect for Southampton. And I think Southampton perfect for him as well. He was linked to Leicester City towards the end of of last season. Uh, I don't think he was linked to Leeds, but certainly out of the three, just in terms of fit of the club, fit of the fan base and how I perceive them, their sort of desires and expectations. For me, it really is like a really nice... Mm. round peg in a round hole even in terms of style of play I see Saints as being the sort of team who I think could really buy into a a really technical possession based style of play so uh, I like the fit overall I think that the players will absolutely love playing for him Um, I think we know that really from from sort of references from MK and from Swansea as well I think that for a group of players that had such a miserable time last season to have that feeling of dominating games to have that feeling of being the best players in the league rather than constantly up against it of course there's bit to sort out still with players will they leave won't they leave who will replace them do they need replacements that's the case for all three of these teams quite frankly I would say so Mm. I'm not too worried about that I think they have the money to sort it and I think that they probably will do that even if they don't add a lot I think that the players that will be left behind that won't move on are still a really strong bunch of players so Southampton promotion uh, 3.6 13 to 5 is, is my pick in the championship outright market to start with by the way Betfair's new 90-minute payout. Yes. New offer for the new season. And it's very interesting. Targeted at me, I think. Targeted at you. Yeah, (laughs) I haven't seen this before. Essentially, you don't have to wait for the final whistle to celebrate winning bets. And you don't have to risk losing it with a stoppage time equaliser. (laughs) Because winning bets uh, with the new 90-minute payout will be paid out in full at 90 minutes. As someone like yourself who moans a lot about bad
1: beats, I feel like that could appeal. I'm every punter. In, the, in my belief over the course of the last 14 years I've been gambling since I was 18 I reckon the ratio of last minute goals injury time goals that have gone against me compared to for me is like to <laughs> so, yeah, even though I'm sure it's not true so yeah this is right up my street and it's fair enough you know this is a, an occasion where you know, given that you know betting on hackers and stuff is a great way to enjoy your football on a Saturday, and doing so responsibly is good. The last thing you want is to be put in a bad mood by by someone scoring after ninety three minutes. Put so, me
0: in yeah. a really good mood by going a bit Whitney Houston at the start there, where you went, "I'm every punter." Yeah.
1: That's exciting. Uh,
0: this, uh, <laughs> so Betfair's new 90 minute payout applies to the Match Odds 90 market, which you'll see if you go on the Betfair Sportsbook, you can't miss it really. Match Odds 90 right next to Match Odds. Uh, any markets with the 90 icon, uh, again, you, you really can't miss it. You can build accas with the Match Odds 90 market as well uh, and the, the 90 minute payout applies to your accas too, so as always with any new offer such as this, we would say Make sure you read the Ts and Cs to understand what's on offer here, how it works, and how you can um, take advantage of Betfair's new 90-minute payout, uh, which we'll be talking about, no doubt, throughout the season, and hopefully benefiting from. Mm. Uh, in League One, George outrights, I have got a title pick. I'm going Blackpool 13 to one each way. Now, Blackpool, we had fourth in our 1 to 24 predictions. We agreed with the market that Bolton and Derby seem the most probable, Uh, winners of the division we had bolton first we had derby second at the prices however and and to my eye blackpool are just a massive standout um i know i bang on about neil critchley and the former blackpool team under critchley a lot but just to remind those of you who may have forgotten essentially from november 2020 onwards critchley's blackpool were an absolute beast at this level where they flew up the table in the second half of the season ended up third and won the playoffs And then through next season as well, up in the championship, a 60-point haul for a promoted team and one that doesn't have a massive budget is an unbelievable achievement, and I will never, ever not bang on about that. And I'm very hopeful that Critchley can basically just do it again. Uh, Of course, they have to get past any sort of feelings of betrayal that he left them in the first place, but I think the club's in the right place to sort of welcome him back. I don't see there being much of a kind of hangover from relegation. I think there should be some pretty good energy here. I also like the fact there's enough players from his first stint that in terms of him, like tactically and on the training ground, getting his ideas in place, the fact that Ek who was a star man for him at the back, Kenny Dougal, who scored those goals in the playoffs, uh, Husband, who's a, a good senior pro, Lawrence Gabriel, CJ Hamilton. These guys are gonna be able to help smooth over the sort of um, the, the onboarding process, if you like. <laughs> and there's new blood too as well, which, which is obviously positive. So Pennington at the back, Norburn in midfield, Joseph up front. I think we can rely on Critchley to attract some pretty decent loanies. He's got great contacts in under 23 level, um, and I'd be excited, hopefully, for a few more attacking options. So. Honestly, for me, in the whole of the EFL, this is the team where the price is most at odds with my own opinion. So it's probably my favourite bet of the whole show. Blackpool, each way 13-1, to the League 1 title.
1: Yeah, I don't hate it at all. I think Derby and Bolton are obviously the right top two in the market. But again, Derby at 7-2 is just unbelievably short for a team who didn't finish their playoffs last season, um, who... In terms of recruitment, I think they've done some good business. I think Kane Wilson is probably, in my mind, the standout signing in League One this season. I assumed it would be alone. The fact they've got on a permanent deal is, is really impressive, especially given that they're working under some constraints imposed by the EFL still. And, and in Bolton, a, a side with the Everett, who just progress year on year, and they were beaten playoff semi-finals last season, given this it's a way weaker League One, there's no reason why they can't step up and go better but the only, and we had them first and I went to 24, but yeah. the only concern I've got is just, I, I just didn't think they performed particularly well, basically from January, January onwards last season. They've lost Trafford, they've lost Bradley. They have brought in um, good replacements in Dacus Cogley and Baxter, but there's just, at five to one, It's if you're backing them each way, you're basically, you're basically getting, well, you are getting even money the place and it, it just doesn't really interest me. It's not for you. Um, but having said that, it is an interesting market because Peterborough have, I think some financial issues which means that you know certainly the messages coming out of the club and from the owner are way less bullish than what we normally see I think Pompey at a single figure price at 17-2 are just way too short again they finished well outside the playoffs last season yes John Senior is a well thought of coach but I mean to win the league from there and also they've just brought in a lot of players this summer which seems to impress a lot of people but I'm not sure how good the business actually is You know, I think it's solid I think it should get them competitive towards the top end of the table but to win the league not really for me Reading at 13 to 1 is, well, I mean, at this current stage, it's probably the worst bet you could possibly have. Um, if they win the league, that is going to be clipped up, and I'll never live it down. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, things might change. At the moment, you have a fan base who are concerned about the, the survival of their club. I mean, we're going to get onto this in a sec, but 13 to 1, if that price is correct, then you are. Assuming there is going to be a takeover, you're assuming that they are then going to recruit a lot of players and it's all going to be very successful. And right now,
0: can I do a soundbite that might um, be the flip side of yours just in case it does happen? Yeah, if Reading win League One, be one of the greatest footballing stories of all time. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I totally agree,
0: be one um, of the great revival stories of all time.
1: Yeah, and then so the, the two that appeal to me are Oxford and Charlton, who are both 14 to 1. Um, I think these are. Two sides who've gone about the transfer window in very different ways. Um, Charlton under new owners, which was a positive because you know the Sangard reign uh, was not a particularly fruitful. One, they've gone out and got players like Alfie May and Penuche Kamara. Um, these are players who are basically top-end League One players. Um, added to an already good squad, especially in the attacking sense with Scott Fraser, Miles um, Lieber, and a, a really talented young striker who's come through their academy. Dean Holden is the one unknown. You know we don't know he hasn't shown yet that he is a great manager he's a very popular guy infectious enthusiasm but there's nowhere to hide now I think if Holden is you know if he is going to be a top NDFL manager then with this squad there's no reason why he shouldn't be challenging for the top three and Oxford you know who finished um, in the top half of four of the last five seasons finished in the playoffs for two of those last season was an aberration which ended in Carl Robinson leaving the club have recruited incredibly well. I think Liam Manning is, is much more the manager we saw or head coach we saw in that first season of MK Dons rather than the first couple of months of last season where, having lost Scott Twine and Harry Darling, the replacements were not really the requisite quality and he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Uh, Ruben Rodriguez I think will be one of the standout attacking players after his uh, time at Notts County. They're both fourteen to one, but again similar to the you know what I said in the in the, in the championship. Rather than backing them each way to win the league, I, th- I think the promotion odds are, are more appealing. Both of them are four to one. I'd be amazed if you don't get a run for your money with both you know i think you can back both at four to one feel fairly confident you're going to get at least one in the top six possibly two uh, and and maybe one sneaky into the top two so that would be the way that i'd play this just a
0: quick mention george for a new product another one quite a few of those at the
1: moment another
0: one in ntt 20 towers and we're excited to say that you will have seen Hopefully, that the EFL newsletter by NTT20 is our new written offering, which is uh, sort of goes in line, if you like, with our Monday pod, which is more about sort of the football analysis and recaps of the weekend, Mm. news and opinions. Um, But we didn't want the betting show to miss out. We didn't want it lonely. We wanted to give the betting show a sort of written companion as well. And that launches right now.
1: But yeah, it does, check it out. It's called The Long Shot. It's uh, Ali and I sending a tip every week uh, through to subscribers to The Long Shot. And we've also signed Nick Goff on a one year Deal, hopefully, looking to extend that. If, if successful, uh, so Goffey, who doesn't share many of his tips, you're going to get exclusive stuff from him at least once a month. So, and the long shot isn't
0: necessarily a price thing, as it is often used in punting terms. It's more about long distance, Yeah. very specifically tackling a certain type of market that we think is where we really can provide some value that we, but that doesn't really crop up week to week on the betting show. So
1: these are bets that will be settled in May basically. So there'll be bets like the ones we're talking about now, kind of ante-post bets, but they'll run through the season. So there'll be one one a week. It'll be everything from you know, an outright bet, relegation bet, to kind of top half trebles and the rest of it. Um, so make sure you do subscribe to that. It's 20 quid a month. But um, as I say, with, with Goffey's selections, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty good and you won't find them anywhere else.
0: Hoping to build a decent sort of long-term, season-long portfolio there uh, on The Long Shot. Uh, keep an eye on our socials for the link uh, or just Google The Long Shot newsletter, NTT20 Substack. You should find it. Uh, in League Two, uh, George, I'm going to get mine out of the way quickly here in terms of the outright <laughs> Um, again, unfortunately, there isn't anything that makes me as excited as Stevenage sixty-six to one each way did uh, last <laughs> this time last year. Um, so I'm going for my League Two selection for what I would consider kind of um, multi fodder rather than a big single selection. Right. and it's Stockport top three finish at six to four two point five with the Betfair Sportsbook. It's a bit wet this. It's so wet. It's a bit wet. Um, very dry. They were 1-24 winners for us in League 2. We were both really, really strong and bullish on Stockport. There was no disagreements there. They were firmly at the top of our 1-24s. Uh, 4-1 to the outright win, a second favourite to Wrexham. For me, even though I'm pretty zeroed in on Stockport as League 2 champions, I have to recognise that, as George keeps saying, League 2 is shark-infested waters. There's a chance, of course there is, that any one of Notts County, Wrexham, Mansfield, Bradford, Salford, even MK, Gillingham, Doncaster, like any of those teams in a League Two that constantly throws up a surprise or two could just pop together a 90-point season and win the league. So for me, that there's just a kind of insurance aspect to this. Um, I think Stockport are, are clearly the most likely team to win the league. I think they're the most likely team to be a lock for the top three. So it's six to four, that's what I'm gonna go with. And I'm just gonna use that for kind of multiple fodder um, at this stage and, and then move on. Multiple fodder. Sounds like our week in the office. That's the, the name of our future racehorse.
1: Interesting. I always thought one would be called Why the Long Face?
0: Surely that's been done. I don't know. Must be.
1: Not Wasn't any good. Hoof-hearted.
0: Was. That's a good one, wasn't it? And I don't like it. Okay.
1: Right, uh, League Two now uh, for me, and the and there is one I like here, so I'm not copping out uh, as I have done for the others. Um, I think Salford are overpriced at 13 to 1. They've been backed all summer, um, they were opened up at a weird price, kind of 18 to 1, and I, I just don't really understand why. Um, you know Wrexham again at 130 just are just so short. Um, we've seen Notts County be backed in from kind of 10 to 1 to 6 to 1. I think if they were still 10 to 1, that would be my selection. But at 6 to 1, I'm very happy to leave it now. I think all the value's gone. Uh, but with Salford, I just don't understand why they aren't still being perceived as one of the sharks. Mm. Um, they are owned by... you have been downgraded to like a dolphin or something. A dolphin? Is that one down from a shark? I don't think so. Because It's I, not, is it? No. I don't know what one... Like a predatory... Uh, I don't know. Um, Stingray. Yeah, fine. Jellyfish. Um, they are, jellyfish is quite good because they actually, like, they're quite scared, people are of than this sting. They are jellyfish. Um, <coughs> S- Salford is still owned by, um, you know, well, I, some vocal class of 92 members, but, you know, Peter Lim is the significant one, I would say, a reported billionaire. Um, so the idea that they are not kind of in the same financial bracket as Rexham, Stockport, Notts County, Gilliam doesn't really make any sense to me. And you can see that in the way that they operate. Um, any normal club I think would, wouldn't have been able to keep hold of basically all of their players. You're only looking at Brandon Thomas Asante, who moved up to the Championship, who's ever kind of left Salford. Elliot Watt is still there. Callum Hendry had a brilliant second half of last season, is still there. Matt Smith is still there. They've added some real quality. I think Chris Hussey is a, as a kind of either left of centre-back or a left-back is a player who was a, you know, a massive uh, part of a Stockport side that last season um, did incredibly well. And I just don't really see why they're being pressed up as if they're going to go the other way. You know, under Neil Wood last season, it was his first season in charge. They were fifth for the XG ratio table over the campaign. They finished seventh. They went toe to toe with Stockport over two legs in the playoffs and were by no means the worst team of the two. Like, they they were beaten on penalties, having played very well. I don't understand why they would drop away from this. So, that 13 to 1 is the um, outright selection. But I do also think the 5 to 4 about them to finish in the top seven. Is you know if you would like a, a short price fancy or something to put in with with others at a short price that's that's also a massive bet in my mind. They finished I think tenth, eighth, tenth, tenth and seventh so far in League Two in their, in their th- four seasons in the level. So um, they always finish you know, in the top half at least, and they're progressive year on year. So um, yeah, it's all for the team I'm siding with.
0: Okay, that's some Championship, League One, League Two bets towards the top of the market. Uh, let's talk relegation now uh, in the Championship. It has to be Sheffield Wednesday for me at nine to two. We had Sheffield United twenty third in the one to twenty fours, and both of us not expecting Sheffield Wednesday to come into the championship and do what Sunderland did last year and fly up the table and use a mixture of momentum, uh, an excitable fan base, a positive fan base, and you know smart recruitment and savvy leadership and good management to boost them up the table with quality players for the level. I don't think Wednesday tick basically any of those boxes. I think the fan base positivity has been extinguished somewhat by what happened with Darren Moore over the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the individual ability of their players is certainly a big question mark in comparison to the players that Sunderland had uh, in their squad at the start of this season in terms of being able to impact games individually at Championship level. I think their uh, tactics and their style under Moore, who isn't in charge anymore, even that would have been a question mark for me as to whether it would have been uh, sort of the the best way to attack the Championship. Um, And Cisco Munoz is a manager who has less than one season at Championship level and a promotion to his name. And I assume that that would have been pretty strong part of Dejvon Chanziri's reasoning. However, as we saw it with Cisco, and as was fairly widely reported and, and sort of gleaned from those within the club, without wanting to boil it down to something too simple, the narrative was like, Vlad Ivic was quite a cold character. Mm. The Watford players didn't take to him at all. They didn't like the style of play that he wanted to play. In
1: particular, one Watford player who wielded yeah. quite a lot of power.
0: exactly. And then when Munoz came in, it was like they had a substitute teacher who was like (laughs) maybe quite young and quite fun. And Cisco had a big smile and just sort of injected some good vibes into the place, which were much needed. And then the quality of the squad then, you know, helped helped sort of multiply that into what was some very good results in a promotion. I don't see this being a parallel to that at all because the players loved Darren Moore. Mm. We know that. Everyone loves Darren Moore, quite frankly. So if Cisco's, big thing in that job was being a great bloke compared to the bloke if before. If you
1: want the antidote to, to Darren Moore they should have hired Vladivich.
0: Ah genius <laughs> they should have done yeah how do you out good bloke Darren Moore you can't yeah. do that so that's a concern for me signings wise they're just starting to move after a pretty slow start to the summer Deshaun Bernard I think it's a nice signing but it's more going forward actually where I'm concerned less so at the back I'd be really interested to see how they're going to work out a way to score goals and create chances regularly with the players that they have um, in a system where I think Cisco likes wide forwards and they just don't have very many in the squad right now. So the last thing to say is if things start badly, the bad vibes will be off the chart. The fans will be so understandably frustrated at having had a great season, a great 18 months in League One, having got up and wanting to come up and and impose themselves on the championship. And if they simply aren't doing that, I think it could get quite bitter quite quickly. Mm. And the man at the top my old pal, Dejfon. He hasn't proven himself to be much of a, a firm hand in a storm. So uh, that would be a concern as well. Sheffield Wednesday might pick at 9 2.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple here. Um, QPR have been backed in unsurprisingly into 5 to 2 from 3 to 1. It's a mess at the moment. Gareth Ainsworth um, oversaw a survival of sorts last season, but since McBeal left, and even before McBeal left last season, they the, the trend at that club is, is on a massive downward curve. And when you consider that Tony Fernandes has moved on, their co-owner, sold his shares. Les Ferdinand, the director of football, has moved on as well. Pre-season's been a total mess. Um, they haven't brought in the players to play the, the way that Gareth Ainsworth likes to play. Uh, even though they've got quality still in the squad, Ilias Chair, Chris Willock, I just don't see how they're going to utilise them properly. Um, and the chain of command seems to have gone now. Where I don't understand who... Would sack Gareth Ainsworth. I don't know who they would appoint. I think last season they went through three managers, which doesn't fill you with much confidence they can appoint the right man. I so, talked
0: about this with a QPR fan yesterday. He reckons Lee Who's would be the man to sack Gareth Ainsworth. And who's has been at the club for some years now and very specifically has not previously been heavily involved in that sort of decision making. Really.
1: Yeah, it's it's it seems like a mess to me. They they are, when you're know, whenever betting on relegation markets, you always have to think: is there a process here where they can get out of this mess. And with QPR, maybe there is. Um, you know, maybe if they do make the change early and they bring in the right manager for this set of players, they can improve quickly. They were top of the league after all, uh, not that long ago. Um, and the other one I, w- I want to put up is, is Hull at five to one. I've just been really surprised to see how much general positivity there is around Hull heading into this season. Now I know that Liam Senior is a, a really popular guy. He speaks incredibly well, both when he was doing his punditry and and also. You know, in, in his interviews, but we yet to really see any signs of his prowess in the dugout. And this is a hull side that finished what nineteenth last season. Uh, Ashwin initially Il- has uh, come out this uh, their Turkish owner has come out this summer and said that after a period of, of high spending, they need to cut their cloth accordingly this season. Yes, they've got Jean Seri and Oscar Stupinian and Ozan-, Ozan Tufan, but these were all guys who played in the team last season that finished nineteenth. And the the underlying numbers towards the back end of last season was really miserable. And I do wonder if. Maybe Uncle Ashen thought that this was going to be a bit easier than it's turned out to be. And if they do have another season towards the bottom end of the championship, I wonder if he really can be bothered to, to get involved the way that he has done before. Worrying signs. I know that some half fans are really positive. I've seen them in people's kind of top six and predictions. Mm. I, just, I don't personally see it. And maybe that's why we're getting five to one about relegation.
0: Yeah, League One... Uh, is Reading for me at 5.5, so uh, 9 to 2 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And this is a lot about a very concerning off field situation at Reading, at least as far as I see it and, and perceive it. Uh, I don't think that the bookmakers, and also in terms of just the wider EFL interested public, I don't think that the severity of Reading's situation has been realised um, widely. I don't want to explain it all here because i did so in about 10 minutes on the 1 to 24s and it's not an easy situation to explain the upshot is reading have barely got a full 11 of senior players available to them uh, they've signed some players in the summer sam smith who's injured um, they signed lewis wing and charlie savage who haven't been able to be registered because of an outstanding bill to HMRC, maybe that gets sorted, maybe it doesn't. So Harvey Nibbs, the only summer edition that I believe is available to play this weekend, for example. And the rest of the squad is threadbare. It's whoever still had a contract, really, that ran for this season. It's not a, th- a squad that's been put together with much thought or care. It's a real mishmash of slightly ageing pros and a lot of unproven youngsters. So this weekend, and certainly while the situation remains as it is, I see Reading as having comfortably the worst 11 probably in the division, the, the least amount of stability and the most uh, cause for concern. So in the context of the rest of the relegation market, I mean, I, I rate all four promoted clubs from League Two. So it stands to reason that I think there's value elsewhere and I just can't look past Reading. Uh, if there's a takeover as soon as possible, all could change. They could build a squad and turn things around. Um, there was a rumour in the last few days from a, a reporter that there could be a potential interest, a potential takeover. I hope so. But frankly, for, for the pre-season betting show, couldn't look past Reading. 9-2 relegation.
1: Yeah, I, I was I mean I totally agree with you on Reading and i backed them as well. I, I was gonna put up Cambridge who were nine to four, but they're now eleven to ten. So um the, the you know, the ship as well and truly sailed Big uh, move. extra appeal a bit at two to one, but the one that I'm I've actually only really noticed it whilst we're recording, and that is is Lincoln, who are fifteen to two for relegation. The next in the market are Barnsley and Wickham at ten to one. Like I I know we had Lincoln fairly high on our 1-24s. I, I
0: think it's all right to admit they were one of the teams in the 72 that we disagreed most on. Yeah,
1: I had them, I think, in the relegation zone, or just maybe. outside, yeah, and you had them higher. I, mean, I, I, I don't know, it just seems they're a club who did well last season without really troubling anything beyond kind of lower mid-table. Their defensive record was so important to what they did. They picked up so many points against some of the best teams in the league, which I know you see as a positive, but I basically see as unsustainable going forward. Kyle Rushworth was probably their most important player last season. Um, yes, they brought in Jensen, on lo- Jensen on a, on a permanent, who's a, good adi- who's a good replacement, but you know the loss of Rushworth I still think is important. I don't necessarily see where the goals are going to come from. I, I don't think they'll get relegated at this stage, uh, especially hearing your reasoning for being more positive on them. But I do think that 15-2 to two is, is way, way too big. As if you take any of my opinions seriously. I do. <laughs> um, yeah, 15-2 f- to two seems like a a crazy price to me about a side that probably have what a bottom six bottom seven budget like, I don't know
0: in league two for me I'm backing the favourite for relegation as, as the pick that I think is the best value Crawley at, at 3.75 at 11-4 uh, and sort of seems a bit ridiculous backing the favourite in a relegation market where only two spots are up for grabs and, and as we know in League 2 there's, there's a lot that can happen to teams sort of in the season that, that see them spiral but for me that's Crawley all over I think it's still value I could do a whole preview that just talks about the football and doesn't even mention the ownership uh, the team is poor They've lost a lot of dressing room leaders over the last 12 months or so, and I'm worried it's all happened a bit too quickly um, without any real stability. Um, Lindsay, the manager, did a pretty good job to get them to avoid the drop last season. He had 22 games. He was there. was he their third or fourth manager of the season, which kind of sums up the the the, the strength of the leadership at the club. Uh, he got 24 points from his 22, so it's not exactly like they turned into a mid-table t- team overnight, but just enough to get above the dotted line. Uh, but the goal threat was lacking, and. I still don't think that they've got the squad to bring out the best in Dom Telford and I don't think there's goals elsewhere really. So uh, as much as technical players are exciting and I like watching Ben Gladwin and I like watching Liam Kelly, uh, I think there's a certain level of physicality and athleticism that you have to have now in any squad, in any EFL division. And I don't think they have it. I think Crawley's squad is small and slow basically and I think that's a problem I don't think that's a good combination so um that's the football stuff but the ownership stuff's a big part of it as well uh Wagme United have been disastrous and it's difficult for me to see a positive resolution at this juncture I think there's I think they're too far gone with the fan base certainly and we've seen many times at league two level in particular how it can unravel further so um maybe they're repairing things quietly behind the scenes um but I have my doubts so uh Crawley Still value, I think at eleven to four for League Two relegation.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, they've the the guys at the Betfair Sportsbook have the same top two in the market as us in Crawley and Morecambe. Um Again, looking for just kind of pure value. I think Forest Green at ten to one is too big. There's a lot of faith in you know. I'm, you would think they will improve given the the change of manager with David Horseman coming in, a well thought of coach, Alan Steele coming in as director of football from from Brentford. But at the price, you know, they were by some distance, the worst team in League One last season, you know, worse than Morecambe. They brought in a lot of new players who you'd anticipate, you know, should improve them. But I think there's too much guesswork going on to think that they're going to improve for them to be 10-1 to for, for relegation. Um, and I think Harrogate and 9-2 are also interesting as well, where you know, Simon Simon Weaver does a 10 out of 10 job every time he keeps them up. It feels to me inevitable that unless something changes, Harrogate will return to the National League at some point. I think if you bat them... At nine to two for the next three seasons you're probably going to strike gold at, at, at some time so they would be my rele- my two relegation picks at the prices
0: so for the championship <clears throat> top goal scorer market which is a bit of fun on the betfair sportsbook i think i'm taking a sort of snipers approach and i think you're taking a little more of a machine gunner's approach <laughs> yeah and actually the player that i'm picking is an absolute gunner right this is high shot volumes Adam Armstrong, 16 to 1 each way, top goal scorer. If you look at the top of the market, it's dominated by Leicester strikers, Vardy, Iheanacho, Dakar are all in the top five in the market. Um, I think there's still quite a lot of uncertainty with those three, both in terms of who will be there, uh, those who are there, who will be Moreska's starting number nine, will he rotate quite a lot? I also think that based on what I understand about his style of play, it's probably not just going to be all based around a number nine scoring the goals. I think there's going to be a lot of threat from wide forwards and from um, sort of number tens breaking forward from midfield. So I'm happy to leave the Leicester lot, although I think Dakar, if he is the starter, could absolutely fly, but he'd be definitely a candidate for transfer in January because of his pedigree. Um, and I think there'd be interest from from European clubs. Uh, then there's Che Adams, Patrick Bamford and Adam Armstrong in the next group. I'm obviously the, the owner uh, of Bamford Island, but <laughs> I won't be investing any more money or emotions in him uh, at the moment. Uh, Chubur uh, he's in there as well, sorry, shorter than, than the guys I've just mentioned. Uh, top goal scorer from last season, uh, came out of nowhere really, which might be a bit of a red flag if you want to be backing him again at a much shorter price reported interest from Sheffield United. He started the season injured, hasn't been involved in preseason. So uh, enough to put me off Joel Perot playing now under uh, Mike Duff rather than Russell Martin for a Swansea team. Also lots of transfer rumours, uh, enough for me to leave him alone. So for me, it's Armstrong against Adams. For, for the Russell Martin team that I've I've spoken about already on the pod and even if Adams is, is a more obvious number nine than Armstrong uh, I still see Armstrong as a better goal scorer in a, in a Russell Martin side uh, Adams for me is not a penalty box sniffer he's not a poaching number nine he's a, he's a sort of mobile forward a physical forward a better for a team in transition which is why Saints would have bought him originally uh, with space to move into rather than thriving in tight spaces so let's talk about Adam Armstrong Southampton's number nine Firstly, I don't care at all about the last two years, Uh, the the stock of Adam Armstrong has fallen a lot, I think it's fair to say, since he got the move to the Premier League. Something I thought was pretty clear at the time and now is much clearer, he's not a Premier League striker, he's not a Premier League profile of an attacker and that's fine, we don't need him to be for this. Look at every other Premier League striker and none of them are anything like Adam Armstrong, he's not good enough as a wide forward. To uh, to be able to kind of cheat and operate off the off the side, and he's too small and not enough physical physicality to play through the middle. That has zero impact on my decision to punt him to be top scorer in the champ because I think he's absolutely a championship player. And what we're looking for here is something different. He's a high volume shooter with a very powerful shot, and I think he can get his confidence back in a Russell Martin team. Last time he played at this level, he scored twenty eight goals. 23 non-penalty goals for Blackburn. That season, he took 4.35 shots per game, which is about as much as you'll find anyone taking ever in a season. Uh, one more per game than any other player in the league that season. And over a shot per game more than Zion shot Monster Fleming uh, last season. Not Zion, Zion. Uh, the season before, he scored 28. He got 16 for Blackburn. Aged 18, he scored 20 in a season in League One for Coventry. Uh, and Russell Martin just has a, a good record with strikers. Reese Healy... In half a season under him at MK, scored nine in, in 15 games. I'd say he's a similar profile to Armstrong. 2021 season, Grig and Jerome both scored better than 0.5 non-penalty goals per 90. Didn't rack up big numbers, but decent. And then the last two seasons, Joel Perrault, I would say a similar profile to Armstrong. 22 goals and 19 goals and taking tons of shots. So it's a system that will create a lot of shot opportunities, and Armstrong's going to be one that takes the majority of them, or at least the highest proportion of them, and I like Adam the Atomic Ant Armstrong.
1: Right. Shall I go through my list of about 15? Yes, please. This is more marking your card, I'd say, rather than um, loads of tips. I think uh, Tommy Conway is interesting at 40-1. to He's one of many Bristol City strikers, but it wouldn't surprise me if he usurps Naki Wells as being the main man through the middle. He's a proper goalsman. Like, if you look back at last season, the goals that he scores, like a real penalty box striker, aggressive um, when he's in the box, can score with both feet and with his head. 40 to 1, maybe there's not that much juice there, but he's just a player to watch, I would say. Uh, and maybe if he does get off to a good start, go back and check that price again. Luis Semedo, I think, at 40 to 1, is worth just a win only dart. Um, he is Jimir, as he's known at Sunderland. He is uh, their new 19 year old striker from Benfica. He has caught the eye in pre-season. I personally think pre-season is relevant, but what that does mean is that we know that he will start the season as their number nine. We know that he's going to play through the middle to start the campaign. This is a, a team at Sunderland where we've seen Ross Stewart turn into a, a proper goal scorer. Saw Charlie White before that. You know, It's a club that um, you know, their, their main strikers normally do score plenty of goals and given the attacking talent that will be surrounding him and Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, Alex Pritchard, so, you know, so much creativity in there, I think... Semedo at 40 to 1 is definitely overpriced but it's one of those where he may score plenty or if Ross Stewart comes back from injury at the end of September then we may see Semedo as a bit part player and he doesn't get too many that's why I'm going win only there um, and then looking up the list a little bit I think George Hurst is interesting in Ipswich he came in in the second half of last season and by the end of the season was a massive goal threat for them I think he scored 7 goals at kind of 0.5 per 90 uh, which you know over the course of the season would translate into plenty of them um, but the one that I would probably be backing now the two I'd be backing now are Jerry Yates at 33-1 to who's gone from Blackpool to Swansea uh, Mike Duff has an unbelievable record with strikers you only have to ask uh, Devante Cole who you know hadn't been prolific for a long time and then last season for Barnsley uh, got plenty of goals in the season and, the, and then before that Alfie May who went from being like a Diminutive attacking player, not much of a goal scorer, to suddenly scoring 20 plus in two seasons, which I think he has Duff to thank for that. Um, in Yates, you've got a player who's already scored plenty of goals. You know, he got double figures last season, I think 14. He was on pens for Blackpool. We'll see what happens with Joel Peru, who was on pens last season for Swansea. But if Peru does move on, then I think it's obvious Yates will be on penalties, which helps. So at 33 to 1, a proper, aggressive, pressing striker, a new signing, big money signing, who'll play a lot of minutes too. So Yates of interest and Ellis Sims at Coventry, 20 to 1 he is. Um, he is the man to replace Giocares, who scored 17 and 21 in the last two seasons. Uh, could be on pens, never taken a penalty in his career so far, but you always think with a striker like that, when you bring them in for big money, you're probably going to want to give them spot kicks taking over from, from Um And he'll play a lot of minutes, scored a lot of goals in the past for Sunderland and for Blackpool, um, a player that I really like. So there are my 15.
0: Nice. Plenty, I think, to Oh. Chew on yeah. from the uh, from the long term markets there. Uh, it's always good to get some of those down. It's it's pretty much the only opportunity that we have really on the betting show to do so. So let us know what you fancy at the prices across the EFL at NTT Twenty Pod on Twitter. Now a quick word on opening weekend, George, which we're pretty excited about. We've always enjoyed opening weekend from a punting perspective because we do so much research pre-season that as we've just shown hopefully over the last 40 minutes there are always teams where we think where we would have them rated heading into the season is completely at odds with maybe what the bookmakers think and we think that provides opportunities for juicy prices on opening weekend as well. Uh, The good news is Betfair have another decent promotion for you where you get a completely free acca on football every weekend in August with the Betfair Sportsbook. So this is a free bet that you can claim via the promotions page. You'll see it once you've claimed it, it'll be in your bet slip when placing a bet. It can be used on any football multiple or bet builder and it's a max free bet. Uh, It'll be one pound or two pound, it varies per customer. So check the T's and C's and make sure you opt in first. This is a completely free ACCA being offered by Betfair every weekend in August to kick off the season. What's your best bet in the EFL for opening weekend?
1: My best bet is Watford um, to beat QPR on opening day. And this is quite quick, because it's basically the, the the reasons mentioned earlier. Uh, they're 17 to 20. Um, QPR are just in disarray right now. And it's hard to really think of a team that have come into a game um, more up against it than QPR. Uh, Watford, I'm not particularly bullish about their chances this season, but I do like Valeri and Ishmael. And I think that coming up against this kind of profile of team is going to be absolute catnip for him. They have, You know, we know that Ishmael will play a a fairly direct game. It's probably going to be two teams looking to go kind of direct. Um, I think QPR, they were beaten 5-0 last time. They took to a football pitch by a league one side in Oxford. And um, this is going to be an awkward day for for Ainsworth. So, again, I always like opening day, as you say, because you you can kind of project your your opinions from doing pre-season research onto individual games. And... I think QPR will be a lot bigger than 16 to 5 to win this game in, in just a couple of weeks' time.
0: Yeah, good shape versus bad shape. That's mm. what we're looking for, really, here. It leads me to Peterborough in League One. Uh, they're 11 to 8 to beat Reading. Uh, this weekend, 2.38 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm backing Peterborough to win. I'll also be backing Peterborough to score over 2.5 goals at 9-2. And I'll be backing them to win minus 2 uh, at 10-1. to They are, like every team, going to want to get off to a good start. And I think they're in good shape to do so. A lot of talk about outgoings at Posh this uh, summer. But two key players are still there. Johnson Clark-Harris, who's been playing in the friendlies. Uh, Ronnie Edwards as well. So Clark-Harris, the top goalscorer in the league last season. Joint with Chaplin is still there. there. Uh, Mason Clark looks really sharp and as discussed earlier I think the shape that Reading are going to look in on opening day in terms of the 11 that Sellers can pick is going to be very very weak and then similarly for my next best is Bradford in League two even money away at Crawley for me the quality that takes the field for these two teams is an absolute mismatch Bradford have a brilliant squad Crawley have in my eyes the worst squad in League Two. Um, And Bradford last season under Mark Hughes, one of those kind of peculiar teams who are actually better away from home than they are at home, Mm. picked up more points on their travels. Um, I think they're going to be feeling pretty strong, want to right the wrongs of last season's playoff defeat. Crawley, as I see it, do not look in good shape at all. So uh, Bradford are even money for me.
1: Yeah, my next best is Oxford, um, who travelled to Cambridge. As I said, you know, Cambridge are now 11 to 10 for relegation and Oxford are our um, you know, 4-1 to for promotion, and I think 7-5 to about Oxford to win this game doesn't reflect that at all. Um, you know The markets have moved the way that I expected them to, but I don't think the match price has moved as much as it should have done. Uh, Cambridge have lost so many key players. Um, Sam Smith, Harvey Nibs, uh, goalkeeper Dimitar Mitov, Lloyd-Jones at centre-back, um, Joe Ironside, like, they've been gutted of a team that finished just outside the relegation zone last season. And even if they are to improve, they haven't brought in the requisite players to do so yet. Um, this is a good time in my mind to play Cambridge and, and Oxford. I think should hit the ground running. We've seen them press incredibly high in, in preseason. Um, I'd be I'm going to the game as a fan, and I'd be very surprised. Uh, well, not very. Surprised, I'd be very disappointed if we don't see Oxford at least create by far the better chances in this game. So um, yeah, seven to five. Let's get the season underway with an Oxford MB, hey, eh? and you <laughs> know, get those accusations of bias out of the way early.
0: Those accusations of bias, they've never you've never been able to shake them. No. And I always think no smoke without fire. Yeah. So even though I don't think you're biased, over the years it's been chipped away at enough that didn't, now know
1: didn't El Arbitro say that he ran the numbers and I think our, my Oxford P last season was very good, which is you know so there's something in that, hopefully. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Um so we can I think And that basi- was also
1: because we were so bad it was just back against <laughs> us. So
0: with our four um opening weekend picks, I think we can Take advantage of Betfair's two sort of new season offers. So mm. with the match odds 90, the 90-minute 90 payout, um, we've got Posh at 2.25, Oxford at 2.3, Watford at 1.8, and Bradford at, at even money. So a fourfold at 18.63. So we'll benefit from any uh, equalizers that our teams concede in the in the 90th minute. Uh, and then also with that, we can take advantage of Betfair's um, free Acca which runs for the whole of August. T's and C's apply for that. It's a max bet of of one or two pounds, varies per customer. Um, You have to opt in for it and make sure that you do always check terms and conditions with any uh, promotion. So uh, do take advantage of that. We certainly will be uh, fourfold for our weekend picks coming out at uh, 18.63 on the Betfair Sportsbook. And last but not least, George, we're gonna inject a little bit of fun into the betting show this year, or at least what we perceive to be fun anyway. A BTTS six-fold is going to be part of the show going forward.
1: Yeah, three selections each. And what I should say ahead of this is that um, we've seen the EFL have announced there are going to be different uh, rules this season around stoppage time, which is great news for anyone. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I'm very happy about that. Um, because it's a joke how you know you can have long stoppages in games and, it, and it's not at the end of the games you get um, it's basically encouraging time wasting we saw it at the World Cup implemented for a bit and classically as the World Cup went on longer and longer it kind of became less and less of a thing but I don't think that's reflected in the BTTS prices this weekend at Mm. all so you know think about it the game is going to be longer and there's going to be more chance of of both teams scoring so hopefully you know maybe we'll see that change but if you are a BTTS backer I think BTTS yes can be value across the card this week the three I've chosen are Plymouth Argyle against Huddersfield mainly this is Argyle we know that they're a team who especially last season um, set up to play very very uh, aggressively and attacking Lee and they concede a lot of goals Lee and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and certainly going forward you know they're going to have Barley Mummer back in the side Morgan Whitaker they've got so much attacking quality but maybe not the most solid defensively I'm not sure Schumacher he's proven himself to be a very adept manager at getting results but not necessarily at setting up a defence so our Argyle against Huddersfield the first one Cobbler-Stevenage um, is even money which I think is a huge price both teams have scored in both of their games last season same managers Maybe it's because Northampton are perceived to be, or both, them kind of more uh, defensive styles. But um, none of that last season. I think they both want to make a bit of a statement to start the campaign. One of the games last season finished three two. So I don't see why um, yes should be the outsider in these two. And then Donny Harrogate, Harrogate, as you said, I think on one of the many previews we did uh, over the last week, Harrogate had. The most goals in their game in League Two the season before last. Last season, the second most. Um, they are you the entertainers. Didn't listen to me. They are the entertainers That's in League nice. Two under Simon Weaver, and Doncaster under Grant McCann should be a um, a really attacking side this season. He's a manager that likes to get the ball forward and play properly. So they're my three. I do.
0: I am looking forward to the fact that us putting together three each is going to raise some potentially problematic weeks where we get five out of six yeah. and someone's just someone's really to blame yeah. for lack of a winner. Um, my three are Swansea-Birmingham, BTTS, 1.86. Uh, this is kind of playing on what I perceive to be a new look Birmingham under John Eustace with uh, an onus on attacking technical quality being added over the summer. So I think they're probably still being considered as quite a defensive team, but I think we can get in front of, of the sort of uh, transition and, the, and the, the new skin that they'll be playing in. Um, and then I've also got uh, charlton leighton Orion uh, I like Orient to do well this season and I'm not convinced that Charlton's defence is as solid as, as maybe some people think it looks on paper uh, under Dean Holden. So I like Charlton and Orient BTTS. Uh, and my last one is Accrington and Newport. Um, I, I, I think that Accrington are going to be able to play a little bit differently and be able to impose themselves a little bit more on games this season. Um, there will be set-piece threat from both teams, I think it's fair to say in this one. So Accrington, Newport. That's a BTTS six-fold for opening weekend in the EFL, Swansea-Birmingham and Plymouth-Huddersfield are the Championship 2, Charlton-Leighton-Orient and Northampton-Stevenage and then two from League 2, Accrington-Newport and Doncaster-Harrogate the 6-fold, 38.16 with the Betfair Sportsbook. So that's definitely the busiest betting show that we'll have this season. Loads of thoughts uh, for you to think about. Please, as I said at the top, make sure that you're gambling responsibly if you are having a bet this weekend or any time. Certainly with the anti-post markets, it's easy to get carried away. We don't want you blindly backing anything that we talk about. We want you applying your own thought and consideration. So please always bear that in mind um, when you are having a bet. Thank you to Betfair for their support of this podcast. It's great to be with you for a third season. Uh, Next week... Monday opening weekend reaction on the pod feed. Look forward to that. We can't wait. And then Thursday week one proper. It's like the FA Cup first round proper, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Week one proper of the batting show uh, as we set sail for another week yet for another week, another year, <laughs> 45 weeks of EFL punting. Cheers, George. Thanks for listening. Go
1: well. I need some water.